Welcome to That Farm Life, planting hope, harvesting strength. That Farm Life is a production of Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. We talk about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between. Because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now here's your host, Stan Norman. Hello and welcome to That Farm Life Podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to listen to us today. My name is Stan Norman, and I serve as host of this ministry. And today we are so happy to have Terry Smith as our guest. And Terry is a farmer, a local farmer in this part of the world. He also is a partner with us in our mission here at Williams Baptist University. He serves on our board of trustees. But for those of him, those of you that know him well, he is a fellow farmer. So Terry, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. So glad to have you here. And just so that our listeners kind of get a sense of who you are, tell us just briefly where you grew up, a little bit about your family, a little bit about how you got into farming. Well, I actually grew up in, in Lawrence County until okay. I was the age of 10, and I moved to the big town of Light, Arkansas, so moved to Greene County, and my family farmed. We actually, my dad bought a farm in Greene County. We moved there in 1970, as I said, and uh, kind of started from there. And Was he farming before he bought that land? Yes. Okay. We had a little cotton that we grew in Lawrence County back then. That was kind of the thing, and uh, so... That's how we kind of started out. And now your family is helping you in farming, if I, is sure. that correct? Yes, sir. My son and my daughter-in-law and, of course, my wife, Right. Uh, we farm together there in Greene County. Uh, about how many acres are you guys currently farming? We farm approximately 3,000 acres. Wow. So row crop, rice, uh, it's kind of our, we grow a little bit of wheat, grow some wheat that we actually use for cover crop to plant in in the fall and if i'm remembering correctly you guys have branched out a little bit in livestock yes my daughter-in-law she has uh registered herefords okay and they have a little cattle farm her and clay and kind of a new venture for clay we had a few cows when i was a kid but uh you know that's kind of a new venture for him and Corey's animal science major so she's on the ball knows what she's doing there so we kind of just follow along and she tells us when and where <laughs> so you say little little herd what does little herd mean uh little herds 10 12 okay mama cows okay yes and i'm sure that fills up the free time that you currently oh yeah do not if, we have. Get, if we get a break we're uh we're vaccinating or I'm just hurting i'm not doing any vaccinating you're, you're the hired that, hand aren't i'm you? the hired hand when it comes to that well, Terry, I'm glad you are here today. We've had some uh, pretty insightful, remarkable guests on here to talk about all different aspects of farming. We've had some folks talk about the mental health and spiritual challenges of farming, some to talk about the financial challenges of farming. We've had some talk about their farms or their herds and just give us insights into what they're doing. You've kind of gotten into a thing that I'm learning more about, and that is this thing called regenerative farming. So first of all, for our listeners that may or may not know or may know a little bit about this, what is regenerative farming? Well, it's 
it it has its own definition if you look actually look at the official definition of regenerative ag is renewing of the soil renewing of the land um, it has a lot of connotations with that but we kind of look at it as ourself of what we do on our farm you know there's sustainable agriculture there's regenerative ag but we do on our farm what fits and what helps us be more efficient what's best for the land uh, and that is that has evolved into something that we didn't really didn't think of all the aspects of it when we first began and that was probably seven or eight years ago when we planted a little bit of cover crop on a turn row to keep erosion down that's kind of how we started and it's kind of grown from there and then you know the regenerative ag movement is about you know it's it's really about in the technical terms of capturing carbon uh and renewing the soils using less uh, less to make more but we kind of We've kind of expanded in that, and our operation is probably 70 to 80% cover crops now, so we're kind of moved in that direction. It's created so much more benefits than what we first began Mm -hmm. in thinking. Now, you used the term a minute ago, and I want to make sure that I understand you, sustainable and regenerative. Are those Mm -hmm. the same thing, or are they different? they're different in that uh, these terms are used, but each operation – gains from doing certain practices every operation is different according to where you farm the type soil that you have uh you know sustainable to me is being most efficient with with what god has provided you stewardship okay and uh you know there's a something i learned about in college the one thing that might have stuck with me is the law of diminishing returns okay and so i translate that as sustainable you've got to be you've got to do the right things for your operation to be sustainable uh, with the type ground that you have or the type soils that you have where you're located everything's different for everybody and the so there that's two different things regenerative being the renewing of soils and how you can do that or how you can gain that for the type of soil that you have. Now you didn't grow up doing this, correct? You know more just traditional? Just traditional farming. Okay. Me and my father in law, uh, once I graduated college, uh, went to work for farm credit. Okay. And uh, you know, dealt with a lot of different farmers. This was during the farm crisis of the 80s right so i have that experience locked into my mind (laughs) you've been scarred (laughs) i've been scarred okay but that helped me yeah and uh you know i worked there for six or seven years me and my father-in-law went into farming with him in the walcott area okay green county and you know it's traditional conventional tillage farmer okay okay but like I said, seven or eight years ago, that's kind of changed for us. We're, now, what triggered that? Because there you are, you're rocking along doing conventional farming, and then the regenerative thing starts happening. How did you get into this? Well, like I had said before, just planting some wheat on a turn row. We've always grown wheat in our rotation because of the ground that we farm. Uh, it's loam, sandy loam type soil that you can grow wheat, beans, corn, or rice on. But we 
We actually done it in not in a wheat field, but we just planted some turn rows to keep erosion down. That's kind of where we started with the first thing of erosion. There's three things that we actually look at with cover crops, and that is we look at water infiltration, erosion, and weed control. And the weed control can actually come during the winter because you have winter weeds that actually grow and create a mat up on the ground for you to either spray or till the next spring. But we begin uh, with just planting quite a few turn rows just in wheat to cut down on erosion. Then actually we was uh, had a NRCS field day on our farm and we had planted a few cover crops and working with Dr. Stephen Green at ASU and uh, he's soils professor there. And we actually uh, took two different soil, two different fields, took a sample of that field. You cut like a two, two foot by three foot by four inch profile of the of the uh, field. Okay. Okay. That's cut into a pan. You do it on a cover crop field. You do it on a conventional tillage field. And they have what's called a water. Uh, rainfall simulator you put a it actually sprays water on this this profile that you have cut out of the ground and where is this going on is this like in a laboratory or classroom or this is in the field in the field in the field and you may have a group of farmers come see that demonstration take place the cover crop field with this rainfall simulator demonstrated how the water will infiltrate through the soil type through the soil profile because of the roots of that cover crop is grown in the ground during the winter the convention tillage the water just runs off and it's dirty water okay what comes through the profile of the cover crop is actually a clear water you've probably driven down the highway during a rainstorm you see Water running off of a field that's freshly worked. Yep, yep. It's not clear, is it? Yep, nope. And we just, we kind of began from there because it opened my eyes of what that could do for our, you know, our type soil. We have a steeper graded ground. We irrigate 98% of our land. It's mostly furrow irrigated. It's not in rice. We actually have some row rice, but, you know, I've seen where that could water infiltration because we had to irrigate so many times during the hot, dry summer. So in all this that's took place in the last six or seven years, we're now covering everything that we can during the winter with a cover crop. Okay. We do actually, we actually do not want a field that does not have cover crop. We don't, that's not what we want for the next spring. We want to be able to plant into that cover it has changed our irrigation habits. Some fields up to fifty percent that we're saving on irrigation. Really? Yes. So, growing up in Oklahoma, we have that legacy of the Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. How does this regenerative farming and that level of erosion? How do those interact? Because what I'm hearing you say, if and correct me if I'm wrong, is one of the primary benefits. Maybe not the only one, but a primary benefit is it diminishes, if not eliminates, erosion of the soil. Yes, it does that. Uh, because if you've ever been to, to 
Grand Canyon, you approach Carly's Ridge. Right. It's higher, steeper ground as, right. you, yeah. as you approach the ridge on either side. And so that cover crop helps protect that soil from either wind or water erosion. Uh, and them roots that's created during the winter, you know, in that profile soil just makes tunnels. You have earthworms, you have microbes eating uh, the old crop residue that's there there's just a lot of benefits from it it's hmm. just a whole scope of things now that we've been able to been able to uh, i guess you could say discover in all this of what what we're actually doing so in this part of the world uh there's a lot of burning off of mm-hmm. the residual of the previous crop particularly rice fields right do you do that or is this regenerative farming in lieu of that no, we actually, you know, we have rice fields that right. we actually burn to be able to get okay. that the correct way we want it for the next crops year. Okay. Next crop year. Okay. And so we do actually do that. We're not, you know, and me and my son, Clay, have spoken at different conferences and, and uh, events that's in the ag community. And it's not, we're not activist i guess you could say in a way that 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 we think everything we do is the right way okay mm-hmm. we have to you have to kind of match your practices with the type of ground you farm you know we're just we're blessed to be where we're at you know we have we have water <laughs> you know and we have the ability to do this on the ground that we that we actually do but we you know we do not burn any corn or bean stubble okay that we we let that the cover crops actually turn that residue back into the soil but on on rice fields now we have some that we we don't do that but some that we do is there a situation in which this would not be appropriate it may be in our area or maybe outside our area but could you imagine or envision a farming context in which regenerative would be counterproductive or contrary to the overall well-being of the soil and of the farm. Yeah, a, a clay-type soil where it's you have a lot of water that stands river-bottom ground that actually where you have may have water that stands during the winter months. Uh, you couldn't establish a cover. A lot of them will hold such have such a water holding capacity. You know during the spraying that you could never get the ground dried up to plant a crop Hmm. so that's a that's one reason but what some soils i'll just tell you in the fact of midwest soils me and my son usually make a trip up into the midwest during the summer months august if the irrigation our irrigation schedule is not too overwhelming due to you know being too hot and dry but the soils there have a real high organic matter okay and that's what you're trying to accomplish that organic matter we're trying to take our soil that is a lighter soil and a low organic matter and change that we're trying to up that in organic matter because that's where you get your water infiltration into the soil in arkansas basically if you don't if you don't irrigate you know you can be subject to hot dry weather that's going to reduce your yields hmm. so that's that became our main focus is water infiltration and you you certain 
type soils, certain areas, you know, it's not going to benefit. Most people, a lot of people, different counties throughout Arkansas may farm some of both. May have loam or sandy loam soils, and they may have a heavy clay soil. So, you know, there's an opportunity there to be able to utilize it. Everybody's different. Everybody kind of thinks, well, you know, you got to spend all this money to be able to to do the practices that you're doing. And that's, you know, there is there is certain things that you have to change, but it's not the way you would think. So you, you have alluded to or stated explicitly about the benefit of moisture in the soil from this. And then you've sort of inferred some other benefits. Can you be a bit more explicit in addition to the water and the irrigation benefit of this? What else or what other benefits does regenerative farming provide for the soil? Well, there's there's three things that we actually look at. The water infiltration, erosion, and weed control. Them three things is there's other factors that come into that. Just the just the fact that we do not work any ground in the spring that has a cover crop on it. We come in and actually no-till that ground, plant into that cover. We'll terminate that cover usually in 1st of March, and then we plant into that cover is kind of what you call it. But that's basically just a row cleaner and a coulter on a planter. And uh, so we we will come in and not work anything, so we just run the planter, okay? Hmm. If you're out in the in the uh, area in the county during April or just say the 10th of April, and you see all these tractors going trying to get the crop planted, we come in, we just run one tractor during planting. We don't have to rebed to furrow irrigate, so... We come in, start planting. My son Clay, he we we have our own fertilizer equipment as far as applying fertilizer. So he, we can fertilize the day before you plant, the day after. You don't have to have four or five tractors running in the same field. We run one, spread fertilize, spray, and it kind of changes that whole part of your operation of what you're doing. You're not waiting on someone else to come apply a fertilizer and then you work the ground, bed it up. That type of thing. So it changes. That's changed completely, okay, from the way that we used to do things. Um, the other benefits is just if you're not if you're not out there with four or five tractors running, you're saving hours on a tractor. Okay, Same fuel cost, fuel cost, repair and maintenance, wear and tear, wear and tear. Uh, we if there's a rain coming, which you know, last. Four or five, besides this year, last four or five years, you know, we've had rainy springs and into summer. We don't have to work anything ahead of what we're going to do and get it done before it rains, okay? We just go in there and plant up until we want to quit and we stop. There, There is so many questions, so many questions going through my mind. Um, and I don't want to be too simplistic or overgeneralized or imply something in something you said. But does regenerative farming take the same amount of equipment that a conventional farm needs? Because you mentioned no. you don't need to run all those pieces right. of tractors. You don't need to run them all. You just need to run one. Right. Well, I, 
I'm going to tell you this, and it how, to, <laughs> how that we <laughs> how that we operate, and right or wrong, okay. I'm just telling you how we do it, okay. And that we have four. Well, we actually have five bigger tractors. That's higher horsepower tractors, okay. That we have low hours on because we have not. We don't put four or five hundred hours on each tractor trying to plant a crop hmm. because we run one planter tractor. We actually have uh, tractors that's seven, eight year old that just have a couple of thousand hours on them. Okay, we're just not, and with today's cost of equipment, you know, has just skyrocketed and really last three to four years. It's always been high, but in the last three or four years, you know, it's just went through the roof, really. Wow. And uh, so that's a savings. You know, I tell Clay, basically, if I decide to quit, you could take the equipment we got and do what we're doing for for quite a few years out in the future because we're not we're not putting the hours it requires. You know, a tractor now is about $1,000 a horsepower. Okay? Wow. So that you can kind of back calculate that. If, 350,000, you know, 350 horse tractor, you can figure that out quick. So, chuck a change. Yes. And we're actually doing some studies with Dr. Green at uh, ASU about the economics of of cover crops, and we're applying all these things into it. So without putting you on the spot for a dollar amount, but maybe a percentage amount, how much money does it save you overall on your farm? Can't put a dollar amount on it. Now you're on, now, brother. You're on me about monetizing our operations around here. Now back at you. I know it, but I just got to answer to myself. <laughs> you got to answer to your wife. Oh your yeah, son. I forgot that. <sighs> no, it is a cost savings. Just, I mean, have you seen like a ten percent reduction in your operational cost, or a five percent, or a twenty percent? I know you well enough to know that you're, you're keeping your finger on that. It's hot. It's real. I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. It's okay. All, the only thing I can tell you. Okay. Is as long as you tell the truth, you don't remember what you say. You know that. That's right. You? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with the COVID, the supply chain, oh, everything yeah. that oh, took yeah. place in the last three to four years, it's, it is, it is more difficult to put a finger on that because of the explosion in, in cost, you know, fertilize basically doubled or tripled you know the cost of inputs cost of fuel everything has went up cost of chicken feed that's true yep so you know i it's it's gonna be a 20 percent savings at the minimum of what we're wow what we're seeing just in the fuel cost of irrigation or you know the repair and maintenance so so you mentioned a moment ago you and your son speak at conferences Mm -hmm. so i'm assuming that you're there to just describe what you guys are doing, talking to people that may have an interest in or may even be skeptical and just are listening to your presentation. When you talk about this, what kind of response do you get from the farmers that have been investing in the conventional form for years and years and years and are maybe not thinking this could be their future? How how would you talk to them or encourage them to consider it? You know, what I tell people most of the time is if someone – you know, approaches me or asks me or a neighbor is, you know, if you just try it on one farm, 
and I think you'll be convinced. You know, if you just got to go out there, you know, it wasn't where we come in and seven, eight years ago, we come in and said, hey, we're going to, everything's going to cover crop. This is what we're going to do. We're going to spend this amount of money, you know, to get all this lined out. We just, you know, we started small. So the benefits are that immediate and that profound. Yes, and we're and a lot of people that's not really familiar with with cover or no till, um, they think. Well, all I see is uh, can take place is you can have a disaster and I got to make a crop. Okay, if you know us, me and Clay, we're about precision. Okay, we've got all the tools of precision ag that we can stand financially. I guess you could say. Sure. <laughs> and sure. That, we want things done as good as we can get. I know that. We want seed to soil contact. We want to fertilize, put in the proper place, proper amount, at the proper time. We want to stand. You got to have a crop to harvest, okay? That's the main holdback of a lot of people, I think, in that, you know, we we know we've got to have a crop on that, and we want it to be and the best it can be. If they deviate from what they know. They're not going to get that crop. I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. And, you know, with Clay on board now, you know, having a degree in agriculture and he's kind of a forward looker in things that he does, he's he's all about precision ag. And, you know, he write, he does all of our soil sampling, grid sampling, actually applies the fertilize, variable rate, that kind of thing. So we do all them things that that makes things fall in place, but, you know, to that person that you're trying to convince, you know, I just say to them, you got to, you got to try it for yourself to see. Have you had any, have had any friends or colleagues or folks take you up on the try it and see? Well, yes, we have. Okay. We've got neighbors. It's, uh, we got a couple of neighbors, one in particular that's hundred percent on his row crop now. Okay. And, uh, we've got two or three, you know, real close neighbors there that's seeing the benefits and, so is are you is your whole farm this is that the goal? Yes. Uh, yes, that's the goal. Or yes, you're yes, already there. Yes, we're already there. Basically, as 100%. much as as much as we can get done, as wow. much as we can, you know, we we strive in the fall to get the cover crops planted. How long did it take you to get to the point where those three thousand acres, give or take, were completely? incorporating this model probably in the last two years it's took us about five years we actually have ground that we have not worked in seven or eight years okay we just plant we rotate corn and beans on that ground we may rerun a fur and a farmer knows what i'm talking about there to irrigate down but that's it but you can go out there and that that farm is you know people know we're where we're at at Walcott, you got steep ground in a lot of places. It's close to the right. ridge. Right. And that farm is very productive now. And But you can go out there and you don't have to look under a board to go fishing. You can take a <laughs> shovel and dig you up a worm anytime. <laughs> so there's just a lot. There's a lot to it that, you know, that it'd take us a couple of hours to to really delve into. But well, we may have to come back and do that. We can do that. So we're kind of coming up against our time, but I want to I want to ask two more questions. Mm-hmm. One, uh, your pastor was talking about this this morning, and you were sharing about before we started recording 
that you and your son or your family are involved in actually producing education videos for farming. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, that's uh, something that we're doing with Farm Bureau, Arkansas okay. Farm Bureau, that uh, we've got a corn production video that's out from start to finish of production of corn. And we go through the planting, irrigation, harvest process, and we're the one that we actually like is the uh, end user of that corn product for Arkansas. We'll show export uh, feed grinding for poultry okay, and cattle. So you're, you're about to start. And fuel. What I've asked you to start, and that's that organic feed for chicken business. Yes, that's you're a whole to, other product. You're about to start that for us? <laughs> Sure could use you, brother. That, that's a whole nother. Uh, that's a whole nother video. That's a whole nother monster in itself. So, uh, how many videos are there? And if I wanted to watch these, where would I go to see them? You would go to Arkansas Farm Bureau to their website. Okay. Or on uh, X or Twitter or whatever it is now. Yeah. And but you can go to Arkansas Farm Bureau and and uh, you have to you have to kind of back up in their site to be able to find them but our let me tell you the end goal of that is i have my daughter is a fifth grade elementary teacher at green county tech and we're actually producing we're doing this the end thing is for her to be able to show this in her classroom Love in it. different episodes and tell the kids where their food and their fuel comes from hopefully you're recruiting some future farmers from that there you go can't ever tell so final question, uh, I know you, I know your heart, you're a follower of Jesus, you're actively involved yes, in your local church, you are such a vibrant member of our university community here serving on our board, uh, I know that you have a heart for your fellow farmers. We're in the Christmas season, we're recording this in 2023, uh, what kind of word of encouragement, what kind of spiritual uh, exhortation would you like to share with your fellow farmers during this Christmas season? Well, Dr. Norman, I would just say hope. Yeah. And uh, during Christmas season or any time of the year, you know, as a farmer, you always, you're always looking for that next crop and, and you have hope of a good crop. And I would just translate that to uh, just to the Christian life of hope, that yeah. you have hope in a, in a Redeemer, hope in a Savior. Uh, that all that we may do to be stewards here on earth, but, uh, you know, there's that one goal at the, at the end, and that's the hope in Jesus Christ that we have. Amen. Amen. The Christian faith is the place where hope is the strategy, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Terry, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for some incredibly interesting insights. Uh, I know that you've been talking with our farm manager here, Brad Flippo, mm -hmm. and I know that he is, you've made a convert out of him, <laughs> okay. and he's looking for ways to expand regenerative efforts around here. I want to thank our listeners for downloading this podcast. Thank you for listening to That Farm Life. Uh, we hope you have been encouraged. We hope that this has been meaningful to you. We are grateful for Terry Smith and his family for their contributions to the farming community in this part of the world. Uh, we are praying that you do have hope this Christmas season. The purpose of this podcast is to minister to the agriculture community, and it is our hope that we have achieved that today. And remember our adage here, it's okay to not be okay. We just want you to not stay that way. 
And we hope that you have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ because he can help you overcome even the most profound difficulties in life. So keep the faith, keep farming, and God bless. You've been listening to That Farm Life, planting hope, harvesting strength, with your host, Stan Norman. That Farm Life is a creation of AgriHealth Network and is produced by Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. AgriHealth Network exists to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about AgriHealth Network at agrihealth.net and more about Williams at williamsbu.edu. That Farm Life is produced and edited by Mike Dixon. Chris Grady and Brett Cooper serve as executive producers, and Elizabeth Ring is our production assistant. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep farming and keep the faith.